Hey there, we're the Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. And I am John Lacombe. Uh, Scuzz is not with us this week. Um, he decided to go to the happiest place on earth. Uh, so you know, Scuzz and his family are in Disney this weekend. Or this, you know, this week, yeah. You know who's not in the happiest place on earth? Us. Northwestern fans. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Scuzz, we, if we all could just pick up and move there and be with you, brother. Um, enjoy. Enjoy. I wish we, I wish we were doing it. So... I mean, this Iowa game was a gut punch on a bunch of different levels, right? Like, sure. I mean, the offense was was bad, and and the offense has been bad for a few games in a row. And like Andrew Marty threw three bad interceptions, and yet I don't think there's a Northwestern fan out there who said who would say. And and you said this uh, Saturday night. Not a single person would say that Marty is not the person who should be running the, the the offense right now. You're absolutely right. It's it's hilarious because the depth chart came out for the Wisconsin game, right? And there are no oars. And I think a few people were like, wow, like after that, no oars. And I, and I was like, literally, it hadn't even occurred to me up until that point. I was like, I mean, I don't know what the magic number of interceptions were. Uh, but it, four, probably. That's what Hunter threw before he got uh, demoted to the twilight he, zone. Yeah, the but I mean it's like and all three of those I mean I'm not 100% sure but they all certainly could have been on him, right? Um and yet it's just clear that I mean he's he wants to be the leader. He wants to run things. He's a tough SOB. You can run a slightly more dynamic offense. You can, if it's third and two or fourth and two or fourth and one, you can put him under center. And assuming you don't decide to go gadget and run a crazy sweep to Malik. <laughs> but who, who, uh, who would do that? No, I don't know. You know, I mean, assuming you're like, no, I don't want our five, eight wide receiver to have to break three tackles to get this yard. You could just throw Andrew Marty into the line. Um, the it's, it's just, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's where we are, right? Where I think you can have those brutal turnovers and at the same time be like, there's no doubt he's the quarterback who gives us the best chance to win right now. And I think you talked about how rough. So, so first of all, right, we should say this game, you know, kind of, we're sort of kind of checking shitty season boxes right now. And we hadn't checked the absolute gut punch late game. Right. Yeah. Um, because our, Northwestern fan DNA was firing on all cylinders in the fourth quarter of that game, right? Because I mean, it had for, all for most the... of the second half, Northwestern was the better team on the field, right? And and you have Northwestern grinding clock. You had that drive where the officials just oh my lord that eighty five yarder that began with that. I mean, inexplicable situation where you know I've I've had it explained to me several times in terms of Triple J calling a fair catch. And then Ray catching it and running with it and getting spotted back. You can explain it to me 50 times. It's not going to start to make sense. But we started at the three, drove all the way down. An egregious non-call on a pass interference that leads to Fitz just absolutely blowing his top. And, and, you know, honestly, 
we were all right there with him. And, and of course, he was super, you know, contrite and upset with himself after the fact. And we're all like, it sucks that we lost 15 yards. I mean, there's not a person among us in his position who wouldn't have done the exact same thing. But the still, I mean, and, you know, we ended up with three points out of that drive, 85 yards. But there was that moment right where it we had another great drive going. I think it was a 60-yard drive. And then Marty threw the interception in the end zone. Um, and that was with eight minutes left. And a huge percentage of the fans got up and walked out. Hit the exits. And But I'd say the difference was this time, everyone who stayed this time had the voice going, eight minutes is a hell of a long time for the way Northwestern's looking right now and the way Iowa's looking right now. And that was that thing. It was that voice that every Northwestern fan has that's been so sorely lacking because we've gotten our clocks cleaned so many times this season that was like, no, this feels like eight minutes is enough time. And it was enough time. And you had all these moments, right, where, you know, Evan scores the touchdown. We're all looking, being like we got three timeouts. The defense totally steps up. Just three and out and just perfect. Like Right. We're going nuts. I mean, we are going nuts. And it worked perfectly. Got the ball back. And then the absolute gut punch. Just, I mean, it was as as bad of a moment as hurt this season. You know, I mean, it was just, we hadn't checked that box. And now we have that horrible gut punch loss. Um, and again, I I think we're, we're kind of, on one hand, you want to be like, we were clearly the better team in the second half. Iowa did nothing in the second half of this game. Northwestern stoned Iowa and marched up and down the field and took not nearly enough points out of it. And that's kind of the thing, right? Is like there were parts of this game where Northwestern looked as good as they've looked at just about any point in this sorry season. And yet so many of the of the things that we've just been used to, right? And, and here's the thing. Like we have, we've been saying since the start of the season – how, how you beat Iowa is you do not turn the ball over to Iowa. Right. And and we did three times. One of them was in the end zone. One of them ended the game. And, you know, the third one, you know, we had a, a really good drive going as well. None of them gave Iowa, like, super short fields, which, you know, was what they had been kind of banking right. on earlier in the season. Like, you know, everything was deep in their territory. Or the first two were deep in their territory. The third one didn't matter. Whatever. They were just taking a knee. But... You know, we weren't giving them the short fields, but everyone ended potential scoring drives for us. So, right. you know, we, we turned the ball over and we did not take the ball from them. So you lose the turnover to battle to Iowa, you're going to lose. And that's what happened. Which is which is so funny, too, because I think, I mean, everyone's brought it up. I mean, your usual massive assortment of Iowa fans. I mean, I mean, it was... Frankly, I was expecting worse. Yeah, There's me still too. a lot of them. But there there was definitely if you were listening in, you know, in the bathrooms or the concourses or wherever, Iowa fans know this is not a particularly great football team. They are well aware. They're not there's no delusions of grandeur here. I mean, and this is sort of like the reality check cuz you look at Iowa's resume and you've got a win at the beginning of the season over an Indiana team that now we know is the worst team in the Big 10. And a nail-biter over a Penn State team that, you know, they are kind of, I mean, that subsequently lost to Illinois. Um, and 
there, I mean, brace yourselves, because there's a real chance Iowa's losing to Illinois this weekend. And I think they're, so they're kind of a mess. And, and like you said, it, it you, you go to the Minnesota game, you think about the fumble we had, the scoop and score against us at the beginning of the Minnesota game. You're absolutely right. That was the character of all the Iowa turnovers earlier in the season. These were just like us marching on them um, and and then drives just short-circuiting and us being like, oh my God, are we really not going to take points out of this? And I think, again, there, it, I'm, I'm trying to figure out ways to parse this out because there are certain roads we want to go where it's like, okay, if we talk about X, then we have to immediately talk about Y and Z. But the offensive line, because there is a huge portion of the Northwestern fan base who is just so out on this offensive line and believes the offensive line can't do anything. And I just want to, like, again, really want to hammer this home. Iowa's one of the best defensive lines we've played all season. They may be the best defensive line we've played all season. It's it's like to, where to, the, like, to this point. Right, to this point. Right. Now, we, we've got still got Purdue and we still have Wisconsin. But whereas... Eight, whereas Michigan has Aiden Hutchinson, and that's it. And um, Minnesota has Boye Mafe, and that's it. Iowa has Zach Van Valkenburg, and then everybody else. And early on, you know, when Northwestern was in, like, you know, the punt fest that was going on at the start of this game between these two teams, the main thing you were seeing was, like, oh, look, like, uh, like Northwestern's protecting, but you're seeing the pocket collapse a little bit more than we're used to seeing. And ultimately, Iowa was was credited with three sacks on the on the day, but it wasn't like two of those were you know really short plays. One was a legit sack, but again, it's like the dam was holding, and that's why Marty was able to throw 44 passes in this game. And uh, the dam is not held for a lot of other teams Iowa has played. I mean, that's why Iowa has uh, ripped off a crazy amount of sacks this season. And Northwestern's offensive line has the ability to do that. And you see this game where, again, we were able to integrate Evan Hall throwing the ball, uh, you know, throwing to Evan Hall. He finished 89 yards. Of course, that huge 31-yard play late in the game that was awesome. Um, and, you know... We have this offensive line thing. A lot of people are like, we can't do anything with this line. It's like, no, you can throw with this line. Um, and you can run against teams below a certain level. Um, and Northwestern's had success against those teams. Iowa's not necessarily one of those teams. Michigan was not one of those teams. Minnesota was one of those teams. And we didn't run nearly enough against them. Um, and But I think it's it's one of those things where it's like, you see this team protect, Right. You see Marty show his moxie, you march, and then you see picks, you see penalties. We had eight penalties in this game for something like 60-something yards. Um, and you just see, like, just screw-ups. And that's the, the thing. The self-inflicted wounds that you know, Fitz uh, has been just, harping on all season long. It's just, it's, it started from game one, and it's never gone away. And even in this game, you see these crazy drives where, like, I think in the first half, we had that one drive that it starts with, uh, it, it, it's listed as a 23-yard drive, but that wasn't really representative because I think it, we started at like our own 25, immediately went backwards on a 10-yard holding call, got out of it with a 20-yard pass, marched downfield, had a fourth and one just across the 50, 
converted the fourth and one, and then immediately went backwards. And I think, and then, you know, I ended up having to punt. And it's just like, that is the Northwestern offense. And you see this stuff and you're like, there, you'll see the pass pro is there. The ability to throw is there. And then mistakes and everything just take us out of it. And, and you know, it's it's that thing where it's like, even when this offense is clicking and in the second half, even when it's moving, the self-inflicted wounds will always come on. And, and you know, we just can never get over it. John, are you saying our offense is bad? Whoa, look who's here. <laughs> Calling in from What's Disney itself. <laughs> amazing. Scuzz, I don't know. Look at this. We weren't even expecting this. This is amazing. We've got a drop in from from Scuzz. Well, I don't know. I don't know what Scuzz is thinking. Scuzz, you should be well, doing the, anything other the, than this right now. Well, the the timing is perfect, John, because like the one thing I wanted to say on the podcast this week is like a perfect dovetail with what you were just talking about. But like before I get there, my children are asleep in the room. Thank God, finally. It's dark. I can't do anything up there. I had to come downstairs anyway. Nobody's texted me to come back for an emergency, so I got a beard. I'm just sitting by the pool, and I thought, wait a minute. I think the podcast is happening now, so this couldn't, <laughs> this couldn't have worked out better. So, but here's like, yeah, so go ahead. Wa- watching, that, watching that brutal game and, and, and John, the, the miscues, I think it just got me, it just got me kind of reflecting on this entire season and on everything we thought coming into the year. Um, and I don't think I would think differently about a lot of the stuff coming into the year, frankly, in terms of like the talent on the team, the stuff in the scheme that we keep expecting to, to, to bubble up. But I think the thing that I have really underestimated this year is how important execution is for Northwestern specifically. And, and when I, what I say, when it, what I mean by that is that for the last however many years, whenever we have a good season, it's because typically we don't F up. We don't make those mistakes. Our offense doesn't go backwards. We, we have fewer penalties than the opponent, fewer turnovers than our opponents. And I just underestimated not just how much of a problem that would be this year because of all of the turnover on the roster. But I think under, I underestimated how much of an effect that would have on Northwestern in that it's, it's our calling card. It's our, it's our competitive advantage. And when we don't have that, the talent differential, particularly depth and the, I'll call it kind of conservative approach to, to, um, to strategy. I, 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 I think that's, that's when you see the product that you're seeing right now from Northwestern where we, we literally can't do anything. I totally agree. And as long as we're talking about execution too, because there is certainly a big wing of wing of Northwestern fandom and a big wing of our listener base who is like, you need to take the gloves off and go at the coaches. And right now it's specifically Mike Bajakian. Like the, the beginning of the season, you know, it was, it was Jim O'Neill. The defense has been playing as good as we can expect. Um, but now the offense, the struggles there. Yeah. I mean, right. And I think the, one of the big things that, a lot of people have coalesced around, including us, and not without good reason, let me just say, is the Bajakian gadget play disaster oh that God. has been this season. <laughs> I, It is so, I mean, you can call it snake bit, but after a not while. Not anymore. I mean, not, it's, not, it's I mean, no I longer. Need... 
so so when you get bit 20 times by a snake i mean you're right, dead right right exactly and that's the thing and he just continues to go to the well i think the the first one in this game was the reverse that um i think it was nairo dropped or just tripped and fell tripped. and the big thing about that play, I mean, again, you call it snake bit, call it superstition. I don't know what you call it. The minute that play ran, we were all like, oh, my God, this is going to be a disaster. Just because it's been a disaster every single time this season. I don't know what's going on in practice. I don't know what. Those plays have been a disaster, and they've been a disaster from an execution standpoint. Um, and then it just got worse from there, right? We had the one play. What was it? Was it a flea flicker or I'm, I'm trying to think of of what it was we ran some gadget play i only remember it was, it was, it was almost stats. it was almost like the philly special i mean like marty was lined up outside it you know it snapped reverse and then pitched back to marty and right yeah and of course it's funny that you mentioned the philly special because we effectively ran the philly special on that two-point conversion late in the game that was also a disaster um we mentioned four gadget plays in our tweet after the game those are three. I'm calling that jet sweep to Malik on fourth and one a gadget play. Okay. We have Andrew Marty under center. We ran a play where Malik had to turn into Superman and effectively break two tackles on his own <laughs> in a play that never had a chance. That should have been a disaster from the get go. A Herculean you, effort I, by him. Have um, you guys talked about what a game Malik had? Oh, yeah. Like, I holy mean, hell, the catch. Oh, my God. Yeah, the catch and the, to dig us out. We talked earlier about the drive, that that first half drive that was so emblematic of this season where it's, you know, on paper it's a 23-yard drive, but in reality it immediately went back 10 yards, then forward 20 yeah. yards, yeah. Um, <laughs> then crossed the 50, then immediately went back three yards, and then we were punting. But, um, but I think, so, relative to Bajakian, right, I think – the the first thing is is the gadget plays and getting too cute and it's just it's so gallows humor hilarious that we had a, a soliloquy about this if not last pod either last pod or the pod before and then he did it four times this game and every single one of them was a disaster and it's just like this has been a huge problem for him and it that's on him it's not on anybody else you could have said it was on execution of the players at the beginning of the season, but this ship long since sailed and we are still calling these plays and it's short circuiting and killing drives. Let's call a spade a spade. I mean, literally every iota of criticism that you would levy at a college football team ultimately points back to the coaches. This is not pro football where you have a salary cap and a GM and professionals players that you're paying i mean the the coaches recruit these guys coach these guys teach these guys develop these guys put them in position on game day i mean like literally every head of criticism comes back to the coaches so who thinks that like we're trying to like you know butter up you know anybody in the coaching staff is it's like that's that's not how it works folks um but i think that the the other element about bajaki and we were so excited when he was hired because it felt like finally you know, someone that was going to call a cohesive offense that was going to attack downfield. We have seen elements of that, um, but it's been really inconsistent. And I think the the undeniable uh, issue, especially this year, has been the quarterback play. Um, the QBs have been really inac- really inaccurate. All three guys have had a tendency to throw high and sail the ball this season. I mean, that's maybe 
excuse me, simply a, a, a symptom of the pass rush and feeling uncomfortable against pressure in the pocket. But um, they, it, it doesn't look great. And, you know, I think the other element that we really expected from Bajakian was a, was a pound you with the running game until you pull those safeties up and then attack over the top with speedy receivers and tight ends. And uh, John, you've been, you've been, cataloging this uh, a, num- yeah. a number of different ways on Twitter, but like the tight end game is, is just kind of a mystery right Matt, right now. And it just seems like the doesn't trust or feel great about the set of tight ends he has. Cause when you look at last year and John rain, who got used, I don't know, 60% of the time, it was a whole heck of a lot when he was healthy. Um, and, and right now Northwestern is, I, I don't know what the state is, but, but quite low in terms of tight end catches on the year. And that's, Somebody made a made a funny comment like, um, "Is it is it about the tight ends being targeted? Is it about the or is it about accurate passes being thrown into the tight ends?" I think it's kind of all of the above, but the reality is is we're just not using what has been a a, a critical component of the Jakeian's offense everywhere he's ever been, and that's just it's just kind of strange. You kind of like fold that into like the seventeen different things about this season that have just been really weird and head scratching. It, it just never, yeah. it never feels like the tight end is the primary read, right? Like, you know, yeah. the tight ends are kind of being used as, as a dump off unless we're in the red zone, but we haven't had any success in the red zone this year. I mean, that's just been a huge problem. Yeah. I think when we, so it's like, obviously, you know, we were always dovetailing and we're always mentioning, you know, the previous administration as it were. And I think, you know, our big criticism, criticism of McCall a lot of times was I think stubbornness like lack of creativity, et cetera. I think my big thing with Bajakian is, and again, you can, you know, everyone's mileage is different in terms of how much you agree, is lack of faith. That is the thing, the projected lack of faith. And again, that if it's one of those things where it's like, if he's wrong, then you better fix this because that's on you. And if he's right, of course, that's like, oh, God, then like now I'm feeling really bad about our personnel. Right. And I think there are two ways where this really shows up for me. One, like you said, Scuzz, is the tight ends where I'm like, you look at all of Bajakian's work as an offensive coordinator. And that's Scuzz alluded to it. This is something we tweeted. You can go back like if Mike Bajakian's been an offensive coordinator, it don't matter what school. It don't matter what year he's throwing to tight ends. Um, he loves to do it. And we are just not this year. And yes, some of those balls are are missing, and that's true. But the, the crossbar shot to right, um, yeah, to Marshall right. Lang uh, this yeah, weekend in particular. Exactly. Well, it's funny you talked about that because we dovetailing with the earlier thing you said about Bajaki, and we put up a tweet because I think it was like South Dakota State had ran this effective gadget play this year, and we just put it up being like. Let's say Northwestern runs this play. What do you think happens? And like, <laughs> just, just to see the, just to give people an outlet for the malaise. And Louis Vacare was like, it hits the crossbar. And Which I was like, that, yeah. I mean, winner, winner, chicken dinner. That was yeah. the best. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but it's so, you kind of look at all that and you can't help but take away, boy, he must have no faith in our tight end's ability to to catch the ball. And again, you look at like his time at Boston College, a lot a couple of those guys were like two star recruits or maybe even walk-ons. So you're looking and it's it I mean, he could be right. 
but it doesn't make you feel good, right? Because you're like, oh boy, like he's feeling like he can't use this. He's feeling like we don't have the the, the tools here, which is not what you want to feel. And then the running game um, is is kind of projects the same kind of thing, right? Where um, I think there are a lot of people who believe that our offensive line can do nothing against the run. And there's a lot of our listener base who believes that we are blind to the fact that our offensive line can do nothing against the run. I mean, I would say above a certain level, that's true. Like a Michigan, a Wisconsin, probably um, Iowa was, is stronger, but we should have run it way more against Minnesota. Um, we should have run it probably more against Duke, more against other teams. Um, and of course, against the, the weaker teams on our schedule, we were really rolling. And I think, again, it's like, am I saying we're a great running team? No, we're not. We have Hall, who is a dynamo. Um, but I think regardless, what's clear is Jake doesn't think that we can run. And I think we, we talked about Jared Thomas's piece last week and just the idea that um, I think he thought we should run more against Minnesota. He thinks we should run more in general. I think a lot of us feel that way. And again, maybe Bajakian is being like, look, the past pros there, I can throw. But it's projecting this idea that he doesn't think we can run. He doesn't think we can throw to the tight ends. And as a fan, that kind of makes you feel like, oh, God, then like, you know, what does that mean for next season? Like, where does that put us here, you know? Well, this is where it's a little hard, right? Because all these all these things feed into each other, right, and create a bit of a, uh, a snake eating its tail situation. But so, sure, like, like yes, it could be exactly what you're talking about. At the same time, the way defenses are lining up, you know, taking what's offered, any smart defense is going to look at our quarterback play this season and say, we're gonna, we're going to make sure Evan Hull doesn't run for 98 yards. Uh, and force them to throw. And I like, so if you're Bajakian and you're seeing that, you're seeing the, the, the defense giving you looks that tell you you have to pass, like, it, it's hard to not do that. Um, now, at the same time, I think this is a lot of times what happens, what happened with McCall, where he felt like, oh, it's a, it's a run. We got to play, we got, we got to run. Um, and so it gets, it gets a little, it gets trickier because like the job of the, the offensive coordinator is to figure out how to counter that. Right. Um, the other thing that, that I maybe struggle with in terms of like, I, I don't, I don't know enough to know what Jake has had to work with in the past from the offensive line. But when I watch our offensive line block, it's a very technical blocking scheme. Again, these are not guys, these guys are not coming off the line trying to manhandle and, and maw the other team, like a Wisconsin offensive line might do. And because of that, like when you think about the execution problems, it makes it a lot more worrisome to run the ball. Um, and so like, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, to be defensive. I'm just, I'm just like, there's so many things wrong with the offense. Like we think this might be a thing, right. but it's also like, right. I guess maybe the right. offense is just stuck in neutral, right? No, you're right. And that's, and that's true because again, it's like, that this lack of faith thing that I'm talking about, it mainly worries me looking ahead to next season. Um, of course, the main thing we're all worried about heading into next season is like this team shoots itself in the foot on every third play. That's like the main issue that's just crushing us right now. And it's like perspective, like we have to maintain perspective and be like the entire second half Northwestern moved the ball all day on Iowa. Like it wasn't, yep. it was, and anytime we were stopped, we were stopped by ourselves. 
and it's it's one of those things where it's like this has been the thing that's that's crushed us so much and i think again when i say this lack of faith thing i factor in too that again it's like we talked about the quarterbacks earlier but we are all very much starting to eye next season at this point i mean a lot of people have been doing it for like a month but i think we in the pod in particular right where it's like we've held on and held on and held on and now you you really start to look right there are only three games and you know marty's gonna be gone and that's a huge piece and then you're looking at what else is there and trying to figure out all right so how are we going to put this back together again how are we going to go forward um and and that's the thing i mean it's it's that it's that tough piece because i think we're we're looking for these answers in terms of execution and things like that and looking and being like look like ryan halinski has not been very accurate through you know two seasons of, of playing football and we're going to need the accuracy to improve. And, but right. It's like a checklist of like 10 or 20 different things. And it, it sucks because again, it's like lost in all this is the fact that this Iowa team with all their warts is a ranked football team. We were clearly better than for at least the entire second half of this game. And it's like, that's just a win that was left on the table. Just like we definitely left the Duke game on the table. And then, you know, you you want the chance to at least be like, look, if we played our A game, I mean, Scuzz has brought up the Rutgers game many times is the only time where we actually like showed up, you know, got off the bus on both sides of the ball. It's like, if that team is against Michigan State, are we in that game? It's like, you know, but it's like, these are, you don't get these, you don't get the chance to ask these questions. It's like this, the ship has sailed. And I think, right, we're, we're going to be looking to put all these pieces together. And, you know, I, I think we should, you know, leave this Iowa game behind us. Um, you know, I think we all want to do that. But, um, you know, coming up this weekend, you know, a Wisconsin team that all of a sudden, I mean, the Big Ten West is just such a cluster bomb, you know, and Wisconsin. It is. I mean, and yet. Yeah. Yeah. Wisconsin's sitting at the top of it after starting one and three. Who'd we predict to win the West this year? Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin. And, and, and he, look where we've landed. Here they are. Yep. You know, coming off a, a huge win over Rutgers. I mean, it, it's hard to really gauge, you know, that performance against uh, just an inferior Rutgers team. I mean, Rutgers is not good. And, you know, we saw that firsthand. What, what was what was the final there? Like 31-7? Uh, for Wisconsin Rutgers, fifty-two to three. Yeah. They smoke. Oh, fifty-two three. Oh, hello. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, and yes. it's it's one of those things. I mean, where it's like, tra- yeah. tra- transitive property of college football, right? Wisconsin looks a hell of a lot better than we do right now. There's, there's no other way, no no other way to say it. Um, I think, like they've certainly found something in their running game. Um. They've managed. They've managed around Mertz, right? Like they've not. He has not had to throw in tough situations um, or to try and make up a deficit. He was eleven of twenty-six for two hundred and forty yards and three touchdowns against Rutgers. Right. But he's not having to. He's not facing the type of pressure situations he was when sure. he played sure. uh, Notre Dame, for example. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Um, or Penn State, where they're they're where like they need to go score. Um, and it's and it's on his shoulders like he, he hasn't had to deal with that, frankly, since then. Right. The Iowa game, you thought that was going to happen. But Iowa 
fumbled three times or two times inside their own 10. And, you know, uh, Wisconsin was able to take advantage early. They were in the catbird seat all game, right? They will probably score early against us. And the same situation is true. So, I mean, this, this game really comes down to, to, to the running game. We have, we have to stop them early and often and probably get a couple big plays. Like, like, I mean, think about Michigan, right? That Evan Hull run or a punt block or, you know, if we don't go up in this game, I don't think there's a chance like early, right? This is not the type of game that, that, that you can come back against Wisconsin because of the way they, they dominate the ball. Right. Yeah. Right. Ch- and Ches and- Malusi did get hurt at the end of the Rutgers game. I have no idea like if that, what that means for him this weekend, but I mean, it's not like he's their only option at running back. Right. And no, again, they had another guy, Braylon, Braylon uh, Allen, I'm forgetting yeah. his last name. Yeah, Braylon Allen kind of emerged a couple weeks ago, and then of course they could go back to the, to the to the old to the old hat of, uh, <laughs> um, uh, is it, uh, Nikia Watson and um, Jalen uh, Jalen Berger. Um, I think I have Berger's name wrong, but anyways, uh, like there's there's plenty of options in the Wisconsin backfield. Yeah, and, and we haven't, and we still haven't proven that we can shut down the run effectively. Well, I, I think the big problem is what what we lack is again. I mean, this this was a theme. I mean, less so against Iowa, but offense and defense got to hold hands. And if they don't, it doesn't matter so how true. good your defense is. And that's been like a thing that happened. And like for once, at least the Northwestern was at least controlling clock, right? Especially in the second half of the Iowa game. Yeah. But I mean, again, it's like you got to divorce yourself from how Wisconsin was at the beginning of the season and how they were now their last three games are their three best games of the season. And four of their last five games are, are their four best games of the season. And they've, they, you know, beat on Purdue, beat on Iowa, beat on Rutgers. They are every bit the best team in the West right now. They haven't played Minnesota yet. They hold tiebreakers over Purdue and Iowa. I mean, it is like the, they have, you know, they still have Nebraska and then they're at Minnesota. But I mean, the West is laid out on a platter for them right now. And their defense at no point has stopped being unbelievably good. They are at probably the, the best or the second best defense in the country. OK. Um, and as good as what they were, everything they, I, were, they were a little squirrely early on on the on on. Uh... Per like Penn State deep. got over right. Penn State got over the Penn top. Penn State, Michigan, and Notre Dame all took advantage of them deep. Right. Um, but right. nobody, yeah. nobody since has. Which which of our quarterbacks do you trust to to go deep? No, and I mean that's the thing. I mean, and and of course it's like it's going to be Marty. I mean, I think of that double move. Well, I was going to say there's one I trust to go deep, but yeah, he ain't but playing. He, yeah, he's right. been like I, I said earlier. He's been in the twilight zone since throwing four interceptions against Duke. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, it's like, right. You think of that game where it's like Marty against, I mean, again, it's like, there's no doubt he gives us the best chance to win. No doubt whatsoever. And then you think of like that one effective arm punt that he threw early on where I think it was, it was, um, you know, the pass pro was there enough time for us to run a great double move and you put that ball in the right place. It's a 50 yard gain. And you know, it was not put in the right place and it was intercepted and right. And I think, the thing is, like, you think we can't run against, like, Michigan? Like, we'll buckle up because nobody runs against Wisconsin. Nobody. And I think it's well, – Well, and they're, more, they're much more disciplined against screens and the types of – I mean, their linebacker core 
right is really coming to its own and just kind of dominates that that area around the line of scrimmage. Wait, um, wait screens, you say? Because we've really shown an aptitude at screens this season. Yeah, well, every, everything we did against Michigan was like wide receiver screens, and then we've had a couple to haul that have worked recently, and that's the type of stuff that Wisconsin just like heats up. Right, and you know, and also too like. The book is out a little bit. You saw that with Iowa. Iowa came yeah. down a bunch of Northwestern screens early yep. because they know we're, we're trying to get it working, which, you know, uh, it, again, still, it's still a really important part of our offense, you know, and we can just execute it. But, you know, we haven't talked about our defense too much. Um, and it's funny, Sam, you made a mention to it earlier about, you know, the the O'Neal versus uh, Bajakian thing and how, you know, O'Neal, not, not to all Northwestern fans, but to a lot of them is kind of, gotten off the hot seat a little just as Bajakian has gotten on the hot seat and I mean it is I think our heads will always be spinning over this whole bringing in a 3-4 expert not to run the 3-4 thing and everything but at this point when I think of Jim O'Neill and I think of any trepidation I have it's very much baked into next season because I look at the way we dealt with turnover this season and how much of a disaster it was early on in the year and I'm looking ahead to the turnover for next season and being like, oh, God, like, are we going to be running this back? But the fact remains, as of right now, the defense has gotten way better. And the main reason it's gotten way better is Bryce Gallagher's gotten way better. Rod Hurd has gotten way better. Coco Azima has gotten way better. Um, even Tommy's gotten better, right? And all of those things have made a huge impact in the defense getting better. And again, those guys were a mess at the start of the year. You hang a ton of that on the coaches and you – give the coaches credit for their development going forward. But the truth of the matter is, I mean, again, it's like you can on one hand, look at Tyler Goodson's numbers running the ball against Iowa and be like, look, he was averaging four yards a carry and he did well coming in. It's like, Iowa scored 17 points. Like what more do you want? Like the defense did what it was supposed to do. Um, the, and you know, the defense has shown that constant improvement. And when the offense doesn't totally hang it out to dry, the defense is more than capable. I mean, and I mean, look no further than those heroic final three stops um, in, you know, late in the fourth quarter when we absolutely had to have those. And it was a, a huge performance and those guys really stepped up. And the, the, this weekend's going to be a huge test in that, in that right. vein. Right. Because right. I think, I think this game has, has a, is, is much more likely to look like the Minnesota game than the Iowa game in that, like, that Wisconsin offense is just going to lean on us and lean on us and lean on right. us until we, until we crumble. Um, right. And we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Right. We'll and goes. I, I, no, you're absolutely right. And that's the, it's the tricky thing. And, and again, it's like, it's so annoying because you look at the Iowa game and on one hand you want to be like, look what the offense showed against Iowa. Look, we could bring that to Wisconsin. And it's like, you're talking about like, yeah, we had two 85-yard drives and a 60-yard drive in the second half against a defense that statistically was phenomenal coming into this game. Um, and then it's like, yeah, and then we just shot ourselves in the foot on just about every one of those drives. And it's like, don't shoot yourself in the foot against Wisconsin. You want to turn the ball against Wisconsin over, the, over against Wisconsin, they will take that ball. They are more than happy to. I mean, again, this defense is practically perfect. So... It is it right. I mean, it's like at this point, we're not stupid. Like you're right. Scuzz is absolutely right. The most likely scenario is the Minnesota scenario. Um, and but that, I mean, that was a game like we talked about it, right? Not too far away from being 
a, a one score game late in the fourth, but, but not for like some really bad Northwestern F ups, um, a scoop and score fumble and, uh, a blown fourth down and short, like, like it, it, it all comes back to execution. Like it's, it's funny because like any outsider or any, you know, slightly even slightly jaded Northwestern fan looks at this Northwestern season is like, my God, they're, they're dog shit. Um, and it's hard to argue with that, but at the same, at the same time, like you made the point, John, about the Duke game, the Iowa game, the first half of Michigan, like, like any pick a, pick a horrible team other than UConn in college football. And you can craft the same story and you can look at a Michigan state that was, dog crap last year and now look at where they are this season right like they take away last weekend notwithstanding right um so i like we all we all love we all love our tropes in college football we all love to you know bang the drum about who's crap and who's not but um it's all a lot closer than it seems and doesn't take a lot to put to put something together especially with the transfer portal as as it exists now I mean, Michigan State brought in 22 new players in through the transfer portal and complete like a full season under Mel Tucker. And now all of a sudden they're this juggernaut um, who happened to run into the spoiler makers. Um, Uh, uh, Officially not suggesting that's going to happen. No, no, not not at all. my, my, My point, my point is that like this Wisconsin game has the has the potential to be a total blowout on the Wisconsin side. And I think it's going to take a relatively it's going to take Northwestern's best effort of the year to keep this game closer than the Minnesota game. Can, can they do it? Like it's like, if you've been paying attention, it's not hard to imagine. Vegas sure doesn't think they can. Um, No, of course not. (laughs) The line opened at 22. It's now up to Wisconsin minus 24, the over under the over under 41. So they're not expecting any points for Northwestern. We're all crazy, and we, you know, as we've said before, like our job on this podcast is to, like, we wouldn't do this if, if every time we're going, well, we're going to lose by thirty this week, boys. Like, why would why would I be calling from the pool at Disney to talk about that? Right? It's not about that. It's about the hope and the belief. And there's right. always hope and belief with with this squad. Right. I think so. For me, the like a big piece of it, right, is again we talked about this earlier, like the really starting to look ahead to next season, right? And I think one of the things is there's there's this view, and not without reason, like Northwestern has had real trouble getting to the quarterback on passing downs this this season, right? Like everyone knows that. I think what bothers me is when people jump a step beyond that and be like, yeah, and they also suck against the run. And it's like, not really. Like give them any help from the offensive side of the ball and they're going to stand tall. And, and like, are they perfect? No. But – it's funny because I look at, you know, everyone's like, we miss Ecoliota. And it's funny, you look at Ecoliota's at Auburn now, you look at the way Auburn is using Ecoliota. And totally, they, like third down they, specialist. They use him as a complete third down specialist. Yeah. On one hand, he's tied for the team lead in sacks with four. Um, he has 16 total tackles and nine solo tackles. They use him as a pass rush specialist. And on one hand, you're like, yeah, that would be great for us to have that. I think the reason I bring the defensive lineup specifically though, because I, I know a lot of you are hearing me think this saying this right now and be like, no, you're wrong. They're not good against the run either. I disagree, but I'm going to tell you right now, assuming Tommy stays 
which again, really hope he stays. Okay. Are two through six impact defensive linemen are all gone after this year. All right. That's Spivak, Kent, Pooler, Mazer, and Sandup. All gone. Okay. So there's going to be a ton of turnover that we're going to have to rebuild. And what I'm going to be praying is that we're able to rebuild it in the character we're used to for Northwestern, right? But you Or, like, uh, or in the character that what Jim O'Neill wants. I mean, O'Neill yeah, came well, in, you know, to a situation where he wasn't able to, to reshape. I mean, if he wants to run a 3-4, now is the time to, I, to make that change. I, I'm not going to be the person... To, I, I, <laughs> Sam, I beat the drum so hard it broke. I can't. Uh, the, but but you know it's funny you mention that though, right? Because who have gotten some of the biggest reps this season? Pooler and Mazer, right? And if you look at sacks, those are those are two of Northwestern's top three guys. So that's kind of wild because again, it's it goes to similar to some of the stuff we were talking about, Bajakian, right? Where it's like we brought in two grad transfers and those were the guys who got all the reps. I have no idea if that means they were actually head and shoulders above guys like Jason Gold, Jordan Butler, et cetera. I have no idea. Or if they are just guys who were brought in, they're graduate students, they get the reps. Or if, again, to your point, Sam, O'Neill picked them and he's like, these are my guys. I have no idea. It's just one of those things where it's like I'm already looking ahead to this massive amount of D-line turnover we're going to be having. We're, I mean, we're losing. You look at stats. We're losing everything. That is not Tommy Adabare, and that is, um, I mean, so that's a, a huge deal. And then you know, thinking again, it's like this is where my trepidation goes relative to the defense because then I'm thinking, all right, we're also going to be turning over two linebackers. It's probably going to be Xander Miller and Grayson Metz flanking Bryce Gallagher with a whole green defensive line in front of them. And and again, it's like you would have told me that. A year ago, I'd be like, "We're reloading, baby." You tell me that now, and I'm like, "Oh God, here we go again." So, well, and but for presumably, Bojo's gone. Um, don't I? I I I refuse. I I dare to dream. <laughs> I'm daring to dream. Yeah, dare to dream. Uh, but I I believe the rest of the secondary is still around. Um, yeah, they are. I, don't know. I mean, like. So I, you know, there's there's a lot of turnover. I mean, on the offensive side, right? Quarterback is a massive issue. I think people feel pretty good about running back. There's some pieces on O line to work with. I mean, they've, you know, some of these guys have been a work in progress in their first season, but there's some pieces on O line to work with. And then, um, I don't know. I feel like the wide receivers have been a, have been a kind of a bright spot. Frankly, I mean, obviously, Stephon Robinson is is uh, is graduated or is, is probably gone after this year um yeah he, he's gone Mal- malik is gone oh malik is gone i didn't know malik is gone and jj is probably gone too yeah jj is definitely gone. gone i i think yeah. i think malik's yeah. a senior i'm let me double it check and, and you know and we have guys like you know cj johnson and other guys that we've wanted to see get get a get a chance to get out there and get run i think one of the things that was wild to me you know thinking earlier on being like Boy, Jake just refused, you know, he has no interest in throwing to this group of tight ends. Oh, I, I and, apologize. Malik is a junior. Okay. Yeah. Oh, thank well, God. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. Um, I re- like, that's what I was thinking is like, man, if we, if we're, if we're turning over all of our well, wide receiver talent again, he's, he's, well, he's a junior who also put himself all the way into the transfer portal and then took himself. And then took himself out. Yeah. True, so, true. 
So sure. let's let's cross our fingers. But I think, you know, in addition with Jake, in addition to not wanting to use the tight ends, he also didn't try to create a tight end in the aggregate either. I think, you know, you've seen Genson Hooper's price very sparingly and Wayne Dennis. Wayne Dennis. Cooper Hooper Price is tall, but he's just he's not got the frame to right. play that type of role. Wayne Dennis, however, and is a guy that we saw last year who looked good last year. I I can't help thinking he had some injury stuff because uh, I think I, I think he was even on the in the on the inactive list for a couple weeks um, at one point. But yeah, he's a name. Um, uh, C.J. Johnson, we saw. Um, uh, Mosley uh, actually play, I think, in the Minnesota game, um, the true freshman who's who's uh, pretty well heralded. So I think there's, you know, there's there's some things to work with there. But I think like it's just I, 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 sh- I share your trepidation, John, because it's not like like we came into this year and the, the story of Northwestern was, oh, all this turnover. And and, and we poo pooed it a little bit. like like we called us we, we called it out as being like somewhat inaccurate. And I think there's unfortunately egg on our face as a result. Like I share your trepidation because next year it's, it's, you know, we're not going to be last in college football and returning talent, but um, it's, we're going to be in the bottom half. And that is really worrisome considering how it's played out this season. Right. And it's crazy too, because anytime you talk about the offense, we always have to stop and remind ourselves that like talent has not been the issue at any point. It is execution and the giant disaster that is, I mean, unless you fold, unless you fold execution into talent, in which case I don't blame you, but right. I it's mean, like, yeah, yeah. I like, it, I, I can't argue. I like anybody who's saying that is not paying attention to, to the Northwestern, like depth chart and recruiting, et cetera. Like this is the most talented team that Northwestern has ever had on paper. Right. Now, and that, like right. p- paper is not game day. And I, and I, I've said this every week. There's a, there's, you know, potentially you know a need for voices and leaders to step up in the room and that's that's something that also comes with experience right and losing Newsom and Pace and Ramsey and um Patty and 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 all those guys who had had so much time under their belts at Northwestern and pushed that team to play with urgency and tenacity last season and that's that feels like an outage this year um now that being said we got you know, we saw a hell of a fight on the field last week uh, from the seniors. So, you know, it's not um, it's not like a dead room or anything either. Right. And and again, it's like it's it stinks because we're all all the times this season when we've done the whole it could go this way or it could go this way. It's always gone the awful way. And I mean, again, we're not idiots. We're we're probably going to get rolled in this game. But I mean, God, we want it to be the other way. We want this team just to show up against a great team and fire on all cylinders um, and actually just put themselves in a position to win. Um, and, you know, I, I, again, we're, we're never going to stop hoping, but yeah, it's just like, it, yeah. I saw this note earlier and I didn't go back and verify it, but Wisconsin has been favored in every game against us since like the, you know, for the last, at least the last 20 right. years. And they're, they're 500, it, right? It, it, it goes back to the mid eighties. Yeah. And you know, um, over that same time period, it, the series is almost equal. They're basically yeah, not, not straight up. The, yep. And and not against the spread. Right. right. Straight so, up. Straight up. So, yep. so, Hey, all you Wisconsin haters, you can suck it. Yeah. And, uh, I, like yeah, you might roll us this year, but then yeah, c- congratulations! Your record is sixteen and fifteen over the thirty years that you've been favored every single game. Right. So 
Yeah, I mean, it, it stinks too because again, it's like we we this is a huge game, and then right after that, we've got Wrigley, right? So I mean, these are really massive games for Northwestern that we really want to give it our all, and it just it sucks because we are so much like looking forward. Like again, like I'm mapping out like what I think the Northwestern defense is going to look at next year. And I'm already going like, okay, so here are the guys that I think it's going to be next year. So here are the problems. Here's, you know, faced with what in some ways appear to be much smaller problems coming into this season. Here's the mess we were faced with. And here's how the coaches didn't adjust. And here's how it all went down. And like, how is that not going to happen this coming year? And it's like, these are all massive drumbeat things that are only going to get louder as this season goes on. And, and again, it, it sucks because you want to divorce yourself from that and you want to put everything you can into a Wisconsin game like this. But, you know, again, it's like we are with, with the exception of Jay Sharman, no one tries to put on the rose colored glasses more than we do, but it's, it's tough. Um, and we're doing everything we can, but you know, there, we, we want to believe that against the grain, we can, we can pick this thing up. I kind of want to raise the specter of the worst Wisconsin loss I can remember. Okay. And if you guys want me to stop, tell me right now. Is it, is it the, well, it's, it's you t- the, I'm curious which one it is. 2014. 2010. It, 2010. Okay. No, it's, I have, yeah, the, I, well, maybe, maybe my year is, is off, but I've, this is the Venrick game. I, I remember yeah, this only yeah. as when Venrick returned the kick for the touchdown. Yeah. Venrick to returned seven, the, the right? kick for the touchdown. Yep. 70 to seven. The problem that year is that person got injured at, at, you know, on the last play of the Iowa game. And we had, we had no quarterbacks the rest of the way, right? We had Evan Watkins. We had um, a very, very green King Coulter. Um, I forget, I forget if there was somebody, I think there was somebody else that played at one point. And then, you know, we played Wrigley against Illinois. We lost that game. Right. Um, it was a real struggle, but the point here is the next season, right? Person came back from injury. He was still, he still struggled, uh, cause he didn't, he didn't fully recover. And there were a lot of questions about the program, where were we going to go? What were we going to do? And look what happened in 2012. So my point is like, we might get rolled this weekend by Wisconsin. It does not mean that Northwestern has kind of come off the tracks. Like we've been in this position before and, um, and it, and it, it can be solved at the same time. I think we're not in nearly as dire a situation as we were. Um, and those, you know, last four games of, of 2010. Um, and there's reason to believe that we can keep this game respectable and still have a lot to figure out on where we're going to go from here. So all these things can be true at once. As long as you're you're going positive here, Sammy. Usually we mention this off the top, but we didn't. It's a lot of a lot more great tailgating pregame. Um, a bunch more great discussions we had with uh, people who drop by the tailgate. Which again, that's I feel like that's been a common theme with us having a, a fine and dandy time prior to the start of yeah, the game. Absolutely. And then, things going off the rails when we're actually, but we had a, a bunch of great conversations and then at our seats too, this time we were actually sitting there and people behind us being like, Hey, you guys are the West Lot pirates and, you know, having conversations during the game and things like that. So like that part of it was great for everyone who has come by the tailgate. Thank God you have, cause it's helping get us through. Um, and please don't stop doing that. Please, you know, find us um, to the extent you can at Wrigley um, and, and, you know, you know, search us out, because again, it's like these those interactions have been helping get us through. So thank you all for that. 
Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's a bummer that we don't have any more tailgates this year uh, up in the, up at Ryan Field. But, uh, yeah, I mean, one more home game after this, and it's not really a, a true home game. It's the, the Wrigley game. But uh, I do kind of want to, you know, the, the big news – um, you know, before we, you know, kind of run through what else is happening in the conference, uh, we got to talk about Nebraska. We got to talk about Scott Frost, who somehow not only doesn't get fired, but gets basically a, a contract restructuring, which lowers his annual salary and drops his buyout in a big, big way. And then they fire the entire offensive coaching staff. Whoa, I missed that last yeah. part. Holy oh, yeah. No, they, they fired the offensive Whoa. coordinator, the quarterback coach, the offensive line coach. Um, I think that I think that's it. There might have been one more. What? But, yeah, the, the entire what's, offensive coaching staff fired. So what's interesting, what's interesting to me about that piece of it is um, prior to them doing that, I was like, look, they can renegotiate all they want. But right now they're three and seven. And if they get the tar beat out of them by Wisconsin and Iowa and they finish three and nine, I don't believe they wouldn't revisit it. Now that's different because you're effectively yep. being like, we're going to lose the last two games. Like you're being like, what? we've we've extended Frost. Like we negotiated his contract. We are definitely losing the last two games and going three and nine. Well, you, you look at it. I mean, this is clearly like a negotiation, like, like Trev Alberts basically came to Frost and said, what's your plan here, buddy? What are we going to do? And I think like, it's clear Nebraska doesn't want to pay the $15 million buyout. Um, so they negotiated that down, makes it a lot easier to get rid of Frost uh, next year if if uh, they so need to, but have taken their pound of flesh in, in the form of all the, the offensive staff. That's man, that's stunning. Um, I think, I mean, what's interesting, Albert's got hired this year, right? As the, as the new AD. And we all had the sense of like, Oh boy, if, if like, if Frost doesn't perform, albeit against a really hard schedule, like Albert's is going to want to bring in one of his own guys. Like for sure. This is generally how this goes. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what to think about this. I like if, if, I don't know what retaining Frost is like a nod to if it's simply like the 15 mil was too high or if there's some component or segment of the, you know, the boosters or the, or the power brokers at, at, at um, Nebraska that really like him. I like when you have to accept that they've gotten a lot better on defense. I mean, it's no, it's no, it's no surprise that it was the offensive staff that got canned. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, yeah, Chenander's done a good job this season. It's easily their best D, but it's crazy. I mean, we talked about this at the start of the season. If Frost posts another losing record next year, I think it's either half or more than half of all Wisconsin seasons. Nebraska. Since, uh, all Nebraska seasons since 2002 will not have winning records. Since 2002. That's the year Spuds and I graduated from Northwestern. They was will that not so, have, we, we, was that Solich's last year? I got it. May have been. I mean, but you're talking like that's 20 years where if he doesn't post a winning season next year, half, it's either half or like 10 or 11 of those years, they will not have a winning record, which is, well, so, I mean, so, it's, it's just insane. Someone posted like a, a visual of their 
of their record since uh, what nineteen sixty two or something. Yeah. Sammy, I think you you sent this out to our group, right? And yeah, like, and it's just I been mean, trending it's, downward. It's it's very easy to see. This is this is the lowest of of the low points in in the entire history of Nebraska, um, which is not really. I think everybody knows that. Or it's really, just, it's, it's really it's, or going back to when they hired Devaney, right? It's like yeah, the, but it, but it's really stark to see it on on uh, that 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 clear and the fact that it's going to get worse this year, most likely. Yeah. I don't know how they, you know, they've got two, um, two more games, Wisconsin and Iowa. They have no offensive I mean, be, coaching. Be, be, like beating, beating Iowa seems totally plausible for sure. As long as Martinez doesn't turn over five times, they should be fine. Well, and I, it, it I turned, was, uh, did you guys know, I just heard this on the solid verbal. Apparently Martinez has been playing with a broken jaw that he suffered early in the se- early in the season. Wow. Lord almighty. That's crazy. And like I, probably I will, should have I, had season ending jaw surgery, but didn't. I, I will say for Alberts, um, who again, like I think Roger Sherman amongst other people has documented, like wherever they got Alberts from, he was kind of like a disaster at the school he was at before Nebraska <laughs> picked him up. Yeah, um, totally. <laughs> but this is kind of a shrewd move um, because effectively – they got Scott Frost in a desperate attempt to get another year out of his job to slash his own buyout in half, and th- which makes it much more financially palatable for them to can him next year if they're not good. So it's exactly end, it's exactly what Jim yeah. Harbaugh did at Michigan, and that see, that worked out. It seems to have worked out for him. I, right. I don't think Jim Harbaugh slashed his buyout yeah. in half, just for the record. Well, I'm sure not in half, but like he he restructured his contract and you know took a, took yep. a lower salary. So I mean, like, and Alberts even said it. He's like, he's he's Frost is making a bet on himself, and it's totally true. I mean, I've, on one hand, if you're a Nebraska fan, you're stuck with this for another year. It's unclear though if there was going to be any magic fix. Um, well, and, Mar- but, and Martinez is gone next year, so that's that's going to be a really interesting wrinkle. Because it doesn't he yeah. still have one year or no? I, I mean, it'd be his fifth, wouldn't it? I guess it'd be coming. I'd be, I guess it'd be using his COVID eligibility. Yeah, he may have a I COVID mean, year. Yeah, so we'll see. Ooh. No, I know. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's going to be. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine that he. Well, comes then back. they can just. Well, at, but but if, if he leaves though, they can just plug in Luke McCat. Uh, oh no, nope, can... nope, <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Hey, I mean, hey, dudes, before. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, John. Finish your thought. No, no, no I didn't have one. Uh, I was gonna say, um, hey, dudes, before uh, before you you pivot to the rest of the conference, since I didn't really pay attention to any other games on Saturday since we were packing, I should bolt. Um, but uh, it was great to drop in and uh, chat yeah. some uh, chat some menu football on vacation here. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. I still can't believe you did it. No need to drag Northwestern <laughs> sorrow into the happiest place on earth. Stop. Get off. Get off this call so that you don't pollute that wonderful place anymore with these bad vibes. <laughs> and enjoy yourself. Man. Yeah, That's dude. Ha- have yeah. a blast. Take, yeah, uh, all yeah, of be Northwestern good. Nation, all of all of Westlaw Pirates Nation is is with you in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers, d- cheers, dudes, uh, and uh, I'll catch you on the flip. All right, we'll, all right. we'll catch you later. All right, see ya. I'll- Again, all of you, just close your eyes and just pretend you're there by the pool because <laughs> right now, not, not in, not, just, just erase those memories, those Ryan Field memories from last week. Let's all just pretend we're in Disney at, by, by the side of a pool. 
Yeah, that that would be lovely right now. Although it was a gorgeous day in Chicago today. It um, was heck. Heck, it was a gorgeous night at that game. It really the, was. You know, it was. It was. It was really nice. Yeah, I was. I was prepared for much worse. Yeah. All right. So let let's whip around the conference real quick uh, from last week. Um, we kind of made mention of it a little bit. Uh, Purdue upsetting Michigan State. That's now their second win over a top five opponent while going into that game unranked. Uh, this season, and I think they have like nine of those now, which is a, right. more than anyone else. Like Purdue, right. I, I, I said earlier, and you know this is st- again stealing a line. I, I saw it online, but they're they're playing spoiler maker. Yeah, they're and you know it's it's crazy because effectively their whole thing Purdue this season. I mean, again, they're running back but they lost their running back so early on in the season and Purdue wants to just check it so often anyway that it's basically like when their quarterbacks throw a ton of picks they lose and when they don't they win and that tends to be how O'Connell threw for 536 and three touchdowns and no picks yeah if 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 Purdue's throwing like that you're not beating them it's just not gonna happen David Bell had 217 receiving yards it's like this is a guy who's gonna start for a decade in the NFL it's like if they're not throwing picks sorry like you're not beating them and that's the crazy thing about Purdue where it's like yeah on one hand it's like Purdue is a team that if you run the ball awesome and it's like Kenneth Walker had 136 yards in this game but like Wisconsin steamrolled this team and yeah, it's like on the other hand, it's like if your makeup is a certain way where Purdue can get to you, then the, the you know they they can just dial it up. So yeah, no, it's 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 crazy, but yeah, Michigan State though not out of it. Ultimately, their road still goes through Ohio State, and if they yeah. get it together for that game, they're they're in it. Yeah, I mean they they beat Ohio State. That's pretty much uh, punches their ticket to Indy. Yeah, I think it does because they would have the dual tiebreaker. So. Yeah. They yeah so they're they're not out of it yet but that would that well no I think a, a Big Ten champs getting into the playoff but they're maybe you know maybe again yeah we'll we'll see yeah but uh, but yeah but anyway again it's like you catch Purdue at the wrong time like that team can look like a team that doesn't have any weaknesses uh, Ohio State beats Nebraska twenty six seventeen um yeah you know we talked we just talked about Nebraska their defense has been playing much much better. And you know, CJ Stroud went for 405 yards and two touchdowns, but but like, that, yeah, that ain't it though. That, right? uh, like, like something something's off with Ohio State. Well, we we talked we talked about this. You know, we were texting back and forth. You put CJ Stroud on a bottom half Big Ten team, and that dude is not going to look good in any way, shape, or form. Like, I'm sorry. Like, any moment he has, he has three NFL receivers and a probably NFL running back, and finds ways to put Ohio State in jeopardy. It's just everything around that guy is a Ferrari. Everything around that guy is like a McLaren. He, it's just wired for success. And it just, it couldn't be, it's the bunny slope for him all the time. And, you know, he, and he had a couple just brutal mistakes in this game that kept Nebraska in it. So again, it's like, that's the thing. And that's Ohio state's bugaboo and a Michigan state team. That's that's, they're looking at that being like, that's our path. It's like, we got to score enough points and then wait for Stroud to make a couple mistakes that let us stay in it. But, um, but yeah. And I, and again, it's like Nebraska got just close enough 
for that malaise to just you know it's like that's been their their season yeah it's like i got no let me put it this way i got no sympathy for a team that might be something but just can't execute to save their life it's like yeah sorry got enough of that got enough of that here it took that last uh last field goal at the end uh way from making this yet another one score Nebraska loss from this right. season. Right. Um, Michigan beats Indiana 29 to seven. Um, Indiana went back to scoring seven points a game in yep. the big 10. I, I, I haven't checked. I assume it's us and them and maybe Rutgers easily jostling for worst offenses in the, in the conference. Uh, Illinois goes up to Minneapolis and beats Minnesota fourteen to six. I mean, I just we you brace yourself for that. Go ahead and brace yourself for them to beat Iowa. I mean, it sucks. Like, I, it's just Minnesota totally, absolutely laid an egg. Um, this was a really ugly game, but I will say that you know Illinois has had the ability to run the ball this season. I think one of the things that maybe had us tearing our hair out is Illinois ground 147 yards with Chase Brown. It took them 32 carries to do it, but they showed the willingness to do it that we very much did not show. And, you know, I think that's, you know, pretty annoying. But the bottom line is, yeah, Minnesota, it just it just sucked. Like, I can't say anything other than like, that's kind of how our day started being like, oh, God, here we go. Um, we've already talked about Wisconsin big over Rutgers 52 to three, and then Penn state beats Maryland 31, 14. Um, I don't really have anything yeah. to no. say about that. No, I mean, it's just like yet another Talia through for 371, and yet Maryland, like again, Maryland very likely maybe the worst team in the t- trenches in the conference. Um, so that's, you know, they can have a quarterback come out and throw for 350 to 450 a game and still just get hammered. And like, that's just where they are. Uh, so this week, um, we got Michigan-Penn State in Happy Valley. Uh, Penn State a one-point favorite at home. Uh, that game's also at 11 o'clock uh, Central on ABC. That really? one's fascinating. Yeah, I don't... Penn I mean, State, again, Penn I'm like... No, I, I, again, it's like... And, you know, Scuzz had it pegged going into the Ohio State game. The Penn State always plays Ohio State close. And I think... A lot of people saw that and kind of rejiggered, and it's like Penn State has been a god awful mess for big stretches of this season. And I think credit where credit is due. I mean, Michigan basically blew that Michigan State game, and you know they're still seventh. I, I just you know I expect Michigan to go into that game and and handle their business, but we'll see. Uh, we've got Rutgers at at Indiana. Indiana oh, seven point favorite. I mean, good good on you, Indiana. Boy, I mean, before this season, I would have called this forty to seven, and now I'm saying it's a toss up. It's just, it is, and you know, we'll, I'll be curious about this game to see because we don't play Indiana, and there's not a person outside of the conference right now that doesn't think the three worst teams are Rutgers, Indiana, and Northwestern. Um, and, you know, I suppose you could lump Nebraska in there, but uh, anyone who's checked the scores on Nebraska's season is not going to be putting them with us. So, no. the so but, you know, I guess we'll we'll see. I guess kind of like Rutgers versus Illinois, I'd love to see Rutgers beat Indiana here. 
Uh, can Purdue do it yet again? Uh, they're heading to Columbus to take on Ohio State. Ohio State's a 20-point favorite. Uh, so, yeah, they absolutely can. Yeah, this, I mean... I mean, they absolutely... David Bell over Purdue the top, can, right? Just it's so throw on no, Ohio State. If no one on... If, if O'Connell doesn't turn it over, yeah, no one on Ohio... None of Ohio State's corners can cover Bell. Um, and the big thing is... So, here's the difference. Travion Henderson could run for 250 yards in this game. And if they give him enough carries to do that, that's what would blow it open for Ohio State. Remind yourself, though, how Ohio State chose to play against Minnesota and how it kind of almost bit them in the ass until the end of the third quarter of that game. Same exact thing. Like, George Karloftis will rip the ball out of C.J. Stroud's hand personally twice this game if Ohio State throws the ball enough times. So, um I think that's the main thing. Like, Ohio State's just got to, you know. And I think they kind of have figured that out. And they know how good Henderson is. And they know that Purdue is not really equipped to stop him. So, But if they get cute and they let Karloftis get into the backfield and they let Purdue hit him that way and they throw a couple, you know, Stroud drops a couple fumbles, throws a couple picks, um, and then Purdue can throw all day on Ohio State, which they definitely can if they're not throwing picks. Yeah, Purdue could absolutely win this game. It's kind of funny to actually see it and be like, this to- Purdue could totally win this game. You don't have to convince me, work very hard to convince me of that. Um, but again, Henderson could rush for 250 and Ohio State could blow him out. Minnesota at Iowa. Iowa's six point favorite at home, over under 37. Uh, I, that, so, that is a low number and it's probably spot on. I know. I'm. I And I don't even. I mean, the way this season is going, I'm just waiting for Minnesota to just plow Iowa. I mean, I'm just like, the way things are going right now, Illinois, who we haven't played yet, beat Minnesota right after Minnesota kicked the crap out of us. We played Iowa close. So sure, Minnesota's probably just going to hammer Iowa because that's the world we live in right now. But maybe, you know, at Kinnick, come on, Iowa, maybe you can prove us wrong. We'll see. Isn't this the uh, Floyd of Rosedale game? Yes, correct. Love yeah. love Floyd of Rosedale. That's yeah. that's an awesome trophy. Uh, and then finally in the Big Ten, Maryland is at Michigan State. Uh, Sparty is a thirteen point favorite at home. So Talia probably throws for a lot of yards, but you know this feels like Kenneth Walker hasn't. So Kenneth Walker's Heisman candidacy took a little bit of a hit. One thing he hasn't done this season is get three bills, and uh, this, that, this that's on the table. That's for sure on the table. Kenneth Walker runs for 300 in this game and goes right back to the top of the Heisman <laughs> list. Um, just kind of scanning the uh, the national slate. Um, Thursday, it's going to be interesting. North Carolina, after coming off their uh, big upset over Wake Forest, uh, goes to Pitt. Yeah, I regardless, I we all know who loses the ACC because they ain't getting a team into the playoffs. Oh no, playoff. no, 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 not <laughs> at all. The uh, the ACC, and you know, uh, for me, I mean, again, it's like you talk about Thursday. I'm I'm looking at Friday, like I'm just you know, everything to clear the decks for Cincinnati to get their deserved spot. And yeah, they 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 need to put a thumping on South Florida. Like yeah, they need I'll, to put a thumping on South Florida. Yeah, although you know, I'm like I. I look and I'm like, I, I think I expect Cincinnati to win out. I don't know how many style points they're going to get. To me, their path includes Oregon losing a game, which, again, I, I like. 
I think there's a really good chance Oregon loses before the end of the season. Sorry, I just am not like it's like so like Washington State, Oregon's fourth, Washington State's at Oregon. You're telling me none of you are like Washington State could win that game. I'm like, you know, Nick Rolovich, Washington State, Nick Rolovich, less Washington State. It's just I don't think any of us have the the feeling that Oregon is in the same class as a lot of these teams up at the top. So, um, you know, they're. And and the Pac-12 just is what it is. And it's kind of a mess. And it's like, you know, they're still at Utah this season. They're still going to have a championship game. And I'm like, to me, I'm like, everyone's already written off. Everyone's like, the committee's never going to let Cincinnati in. I'm like, if Oregon stumbles and they, they're they out of the way, Cincinnati's getting in. So that's kind of what I'm what I'm looking for. What do you think? Of course, Ola- after, oh, of course after, I have a feeling you and I are talking about the same game, but you tell me. Uh, the line on the New Mexico State Alabama yep. game. <laughs> I was I was about to say, Sammy. Of course, after New Mexico State beats Alabama, the decks will really be cleared <laughs> for for Cincinnati. Uh, are, you, are you looking at oh, the line? Or are you? Are you... No, no, no. I want to guess. Um, oh God! Like I, I mean, I'll say, I'll say forty, but it's probably way more. It is fifty. 51 and a half. I'm basically like Alabama just like, I could see Alabama just coasting. That's the only reason I said that. Alabama could win this game 100 to nothing if they wanted to. Speaking of which, is this like, I didn't, I forget the list. Is this like newly minted Conference USA, New Mexico State? I believe so, yeah. Amazing, amazing. The, uh, yeah, exactly. Anytime you can bring in a, a new team that's a 51-point dog in a, in a football game. You, you got to do that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Oklahoma-Baylor, that, that could be fun. Yeah. I mean, speaking of teams that can clear the deck for Cincinnati, now that Baylor's taken their L, right, they could they uh, could beat Oklahoma and kind of help us all out by taking the Big 12 completely out of the picture because, like, ain't no way a Baylor that Baylor team's getting in. So, no. Um, not, not, and, not at two losses. And Oklahoma is a total pretender up there, so like Baylor might as well be the team that takes care of that. Uh, oh, Mississippi State Auburn—that's a couple couple ranked teams happening at eleven o'clock. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like these are. This is one of those games that I know our boys at Winning Cure Everything cures everything have just like totally on lock, and I'm just kind of like, I get this time of the season, I'm just kind of bowled over by these like, all right, so like, it, it's like. I like without even looking at the schedule and being able to catalog all the wins. I'm like, I know you beat a team you weren't supposed to beat, and that win looked really good, but then they lost to someone else, and it's like it always ends up being that big circular thing, um, you know, at, at the end of the year in in the SEC. But yeah, those are two good teams that I you know I'll be kind of half watching that game, partly because of the Mike Leach's whole kicker tryout thing. Did they did they actually do that? Is there going to be some new kicker coming out? Uh, what wait? I, what's the story there? I just I think Mississippi State had some kicking disaster, and then Leach talked about having you know an open, an open kicking competition. But you know it was as so many things are. It's the Mike Leachian way he delivered the information that was what people took away from it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Wake and NC State. That, that would have been a big deal. I mean, yeah. technically it is. I mean, Wake's still playing for an ACC crown, but and like. Um, because because that game against North Carolina last week was not a conference game, they're still undefeated in conference. Oh, that's hilarious! I totally forgot about that. Um, 
So, right. So, I mean, they still have to go through. I mean, that's a big, I mean, NC State's ranked, so it is a big game, and Wake's lived quite the charmed life so far this season. Oh, I mean, sure. I, yeah. we'd all like to, we'd all like to see Wake win the ACC. I mean, that's just awesome, but um, there, um, we'll see. And then, of course, we need, Notre Dame needs to pound Virginia just yep. to continue to help Cincinnati. That's all. Everything's about Cincinnati. Um, there's also A&M Ole Miss. That could be entertaining. Yeah, again, I'm like, there there are, uh, it's like, again, it's like my brain starts swimming with all these SEC West games at this point in the season because I'm right. Like, it's like A&M, like, uh, fully expect, like, Ole Miss to beat A&M, who beat Bama, and it's all just kind of goes goes in circles. I will say, though, that, I'm, I mean, that loss accepted, like, in my mind, as as much as we all hate to say it, like in my mind, Bama is the number two team in the country, and it's still Bama and Georgia, um, and which of course sets up an interesting situation in the SEC championship game. But right. I mean, I absolutely put Cincinnati up with those teams, but um, to me, as as much as we all hate to say it, Bama is solidly the number two team. Well, Georgia's Georgia's at Tennessee, and Tennessee's been kind of feisty. I, I mean, I don't think they hold a candle to Georgia. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. was going to uh, say, I was like, I was like, good, good luck with that. Um, here, heareth go feisty to die <laughs> against against Georgia. I mean, it is funny. It's just like all season, this Georgia has been. I mean, they haven't played. I'm looking at their schedule. They've that Clemson game is such a massive aberration. They haven't been sniffed since that point. They've just destroyed everybody. And you know, yeah, there's going to be a a massive, massive beatdown before Georgia gets shocked by Charleston Southern on November twentieth. <laughs> before they can do that, before they can do that, they've got to destroy Tennessee. Um, real quick before we go, do you want to mention Tuesday night, uh, Eastern Illinois at Northwestern uh, men's basketball? Um, you know, I take nothing away from the exhibition against Lindenwood. I mean, I I don't even know where Lindenwood is so you know I, I I'm looking forward to seeing what what this what the men's team has this year I just I just don't know and hopefully it's it's better than you know what we've seen in the past years right I mean I think you know it's like they were they I think who was it Big Ten Network or someone had a list of like, you know, the top 20 players in the Big Ten and Pete Nance wasn't on it. I saw Louis Vacare be like, really? Like, you're not going to put Nance on there? And it's kind of like, well, that's the whole thing with this team. Like, these guys just have not shown consistency. And then you show, you have a, a, a wing of, you know, people like basketball writers and stuff have expectations for this season just because this nucleus of guys have played together for so long that, um, you know, that, and a lot of them are seniors now. And I think a lot of people have expectations. Lance is right at the top of that. Nance is right at the top of that list. But you have, you know, Barron, et cetera. And, and I think that's that's the thing. A lot of people are, are looking. And, of course, we've all been waiting for these guys to make a leap for a long time. And they've just, you know, haven't been able to put it together. But why not? As seniors, that's you're absolutely right. This is what everyone wants to see. Can these guys finally seize it as seniors and, you know, go to a place that they really haven't been close to? Um, their entire run. And then uh, the women start off against uh, UIC on Wednesday. Um, you know, Veronica Burton, she's getting all sorts of uh, spotlights and limelights as, you know, one of the best, 
if not the best two-way guard in women's basketball this year. Right. And this is one that we, you know, we all, I think, back to last March, and it's so easy to forget that this team had a massive lead before it all, the bottom fell out, a massive lead on Louisville, right, that would have, you know, that had had the bottom not fallen out, they that would have put us into the Elite Eight, right? And Sweet 16, or sweet sixteen, right? And yeah, Lindsay's gone, but um, you know, right? Burton's still there, and the team is still stacked overall. And, and then we know, have players. We got, we got some incoming freshmen who are supposed to be really, really good. Sure, and then players like Anna Morris, right? Where we got to yeah. see a piece, and now we're looking for a, another leap, right? And I mean, this team is just absolutely stacked with talent. Joe McEwen's been extended to where he'll probably retire a Wildcat, and it's just like, yeah. And but I mean, like you said, it. I mean. Go watch Burton. She'll be one of the all-time great athletes to come through Northwestern. So go get your tickets and watch her. I mean, enjoy one of the greatest women's basketball players. Like you said, one of the greatest two-way women's basketball players you'll ever see come through Northwestern play in that beautiful facility. Um, You know, it's the the tickets are cheap and they might as well be free for the experience you're going to have watching Veronica Burton and this team play in that stadium. I mean, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't go. Well, um, anything else to mention before we uh, put a bow on this one? I'm just so happy Scuzz dropped in. That was, <laughs> wasn't, ex- wasn't expecting that. Allowed me to just close my eyes and pretend I was at that pool too. And <laughs> that, again, and it's like because, you know, we all are trapped in this broken record right now, and we're all looking to get out. So I was trying to escape, and you know, again, it's like we let's let's do it. Let's against the grain, against all hope, against all logic, against everything we've seen. Find it on the road in Camp Randall, and at least keep the best parts of that streak alive, um, and at least have something to write home about for this season. I mean, I think of the the Notre Dame game, right? The Jack Mitchell game against yep. Notre Dame. That season, we at least could take that game out, right? Let's uh, let's put uh, let's go into Camp Randall and and shock the Big Ten West and at least be able to take that out. Why not? Yeah, and you know, we win the last three, and we go bowling. I mean, I I know that's crazy talk. <laughs> let's that, come that's out. That's crazy talk. If, Let, if we could come out of this game believing that such a thing was possible, <laughs> that would be awesome. How about that? How about we can come out of this game being like, hey, maybe it's something that can actually be done. Oh, well, with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, to leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlawpirates. Email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the Westlaw Brian Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Scasbo. I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.